Welcome to episode zero of my podcast, Planet Jesus. I'm Rob Massey, and I will be your host. This podcast is for Christians and skeptics who want to understand more about the Bible. For Christians, I hope that we can look more deeply at the life of Jesus and make his words and actions more than some boring ancient history or an uninspiring hope for some future plexiglass paradise. I want to show how the threads of thoughts shared by men and women over hundreds of generations weave together in dialogue, sometimes in agreement and often in disagreement. I hope also that their example will help us today show respect in our disagreements. The ideal is that we would show unity in our diversity. It's a better witness to those that are not on the inside of the Christian faith. For the skeptic, I hope to remove the straw man arguments presented by the very capable, intelligent men and women of the new atheism movement. I have read their books, I've listened to their YouTube lectures and their debates, the debates of Dawkins and and, uh, Hitchens and Harris and, and many others. I believe that they are honest and they're convicted based on a limited hearing or understanding of the ancient religious texts. Many of the best expositions of the Bible text do not get the exposure and distribution that the more popular and accessible interpretations get. The more popular messages, they're more vulnerable to criticism, and I think for good reason. So it takes time and effort to peel back thousands of years of anachronistic interpretations and shifts in language and abuses by well-meaning and not-so-well-meaning adherents to the scriptures. So if the skeptic will hang in there with me, I think she will hear some interesting perspectives on the amazing aims and claims of Jesus that diverge from some of the more problematic ideas presented by the ancestors of his faith. Planet Jesus episodes will fall into a few different formats. Some will be simply me and a mic talking about whatever has my attention for a particular week. Uh, Others will be interviews with leaders and interesting persons. And many will be edited versions of my live talks in my local assembly. My hope is that whichever format an episode of this show takes, it will be thought-provoking and around long enough for those interested in investing the time that we could try to glimpse the original meaning of the words and life of Jesus, and that from that we can determine how we should then live. I am not a formally educated theologian. But I read widely. I've read hundreds of books and commentaries and listened to hundreds of hours of teachings and lectures. I allow the voices of my virtual dialogue to create a plausible, reasoned view of the life of Christ and the character of God that he represents. Of course, I'm not entirely reasonable. I believe by faith. It's not nothing I can prove. I can't give you any evidences, although there are proofs. Uh, But there's plausible deniability around those proofs, and I recognize that. So I'm not entirely reasonable, but I do believe that God is, and that he is good, and that he's interested in this vibrant little planet. Since I'm not formally educated in theology or tied to any particular sect or denomination within Christendom, I am at liberty to consider and present the collection of ideas, reasoned ideas, from theologians, skeptics, scientists, philosophers historians. But that said, don't expect some high intellectualism. 
I am also at liberty to consider the mystic, the emotional, the supernatural ideas from Jewish and Christian sages. That said, don't expect me to to talk about a 900-foot Jesus. Uh, If you don't remember that reference, uh, Google it. I've gathered and gained so many ideas from so many people. Uh, I owe so much to so many thinkers through the years uh, that have entered into a millennia-long conversation through their writing and speaking. I will do my best not to overstate what I think I know to be true, but sometimes in my fervency I will. I may misstate things, facts, ideas, dates. Most of what I say will be recently researched, but I'm also a chronic extemporaneous communicator. If the information I'm drawing on is too old, it may be inaccurate. I will do my best to avoid making inaccurate statements and will always submit a retraction or a clarification during a follow-up podcast. It might be helpful to give you some context about who I am and, and how I came to where I am today. I don't want to go back too far, but I do want to provide enough color for who I am as it relates to my Christian experience and perspectives on Jesus. Uh, My dad, he was a bouncer in a bar in East L.A. when he became a Christian. He married a member of the church choir, and 10 months later, I was born. Uh, They took me to church four times a week, Sunday, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, Friday evening. I can't tell you how many nights I was carried home, uh, you know, on my dad's shoulder sleeping. You'd think with all that church, our home would have had no problems. But becoming a Christian does not give you a new set of brains or change your cultural biases overnight. I've said before in other venues that my dad and mom didn't get off to the best start in their marriage. For the first 10 years, they were adjusting to each other. They settled into their marriage, their faith, and their family, and the second decade of me living at home was like Little House on the Prairie. They were amazing parents spent a lot of time with me and helped guide me. We would sit around the table after dinner and talk about history and politics, um, some religion, but my dad, he was like not really a hyper Bible guy. He, he wasn't into that thing. But he loved the Civil War, and he would read Shelby Foot books until they were dog-eared. His passion for getting history right was exciting to see and hear as a young man. Uh, how many of you teens have spent Saturdays at Civil War reenactments? That was my life. Despite being raised in a Christian home, I had pretty significant crisis of faith when uh, I was 17, whatever faith there was at 17. I had been disappointed by my mentors in the church and thought, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to stick around this place. I'm going to be like BJ and the bear. You know, I'm going to go drive a truck around the country. I'm not going to sit in this community with its restrictions and austere calls for holiness when my mentors had abandoned it in the end. I expressed my concerns with my grandmother, and she made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and told me of her own experience of coming through hard times in her faith. And it's uh, amazing, uh, just sitting here and reflecting on it now, how a good story of how someone has come through hard times and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, can really help a lot. I miss her. She passed away back in 2005. Within weeks, I was sitting alone in my home in Los Serranos, California, 17-year-old kid, praying my disappointments and my doubts, when I said, Lord, I want to be your friend. Somewhere in my Christian-educated adolescent mind, I remembered that Abraham was a friend of God. 
So I found my dad's Bible and I started looking at the headings for Abraham. If you don't know it in the Bible, they'll give little subjects of what's going on on those pages as you flip through. So I didn't have to go too far because Abraham was mentioned in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 11. And I started reading from there and I began to understand what kind of person, what kind of character is considered to be a friend of God. I read through the book of Genesis that day. I was drawn into the story. Abraham and Sarah and their struggle through childlessness and their struggles with faith. Isaac and his boys, Jacob and Esau, and their struggle with each other. Jacob discovering something about himself and his weaknesses and something about God all along the journey. And then his 12 sons, the 12 brothers that built the family of Israel, their real life struggles, betrayals, and reconciliation. When Joseph revealed himself, at one point, he's the, he's the brother, if you remember from the story, if you've ever heard the story, he's the brother that they sold the other, sold him into slavery. And now he's been promoted to the, the second in command in Egypt. There's a great famine in the land and his brothers come to get money. They don't know where Joseph is. Joseph could be dead for all they know. They, have, they don't know what's happened to him. And Joseph finally reveals himself. And, he's, and Joseph in the story is weeping as he tells his brother, it's me, it's, jo- it's Joseph, your brother. God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And when they were revealing that, and I, I began to weep in that story. Uh, and here I am, 17 years old, weeping at a, an ancient, the most ancient text. And I thought, my God, I was hooked. I, from that day, uh, I have been on a pursuit to discover the truth of our human condition. I learned it in listening to the, and reading the stories uh, of these ancient people, and it seemed to resonate with me as being relevant for me that day, a 17-year-old sitting alone in my house in Las Aronos. And that has lasted for over three decades. I can't get over it. Time would fail me to mention the discovery during prayer vigils and conversations with students on Mount Rubidoux, hours at the Berean Christian Bookstore in Loma Linda, meetings, seminars, private studies in my cars during my lunch break. Uh, But the primary influence over my perspective came from my pastors. And although I do not agree with them on many things that they taught, uh, they provided me with a few important keys. The first was a recognition that the Bible provided the best commentary on itself, that the dialogue between its authors that spanned hundreds of generations was a powerful interpretive key. My first pastor would say, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And I thought, that's brilliant. Only later I found that it was a quote from Augustine, the father of Catholicism. For him, a Sunday morning message was an hour and a half long, minimum. This fact leads me to the second important key that they taught me, the power of concentration. Staying with his thought for that long took some serious focus. I remember the first time I stayed with him through a full teaching. The subject was the three woes of Revelation in 8 and 9. Just thinking about it right now makes me laugh about the ridiculousness of this 17 or 18-year-old kid listening to the three woes of Revelation 8 and 9 and getting something out of it. My second pastor, also my father-in-law, expanded my view of the scope of the Jesus movement. 
Where my first pastor saw a small remnant of redeemed, my second pastor taught and lived most of the time an inclusive gospel, one that included all people in all places at all times. No one was too far from the mercy of God. He really took the Jesus as King idea seriously. He would listen to and consider all Christian perspectives. He took me to Kenneth Copeland meetings, various Christian seminars, regular Christian services as diverse as that of the Churches of Christ and the Pentecostals. He introduced me to commentators, authors that expanded my perspective. On my 29th birthday, he gave me Peter Craigie's commentary on Deuteronomy. Until then, I had considered German and British Bible scholars to be backslidden. That was the term we used for nominal Christians. In my early perspective, most Christians fell into that category. Anyway, I was amazed at the thoughtfulness of the author and all the questions I never considered to ask and all the irrelevant questions I was asking that the text never intended to uh, answer. Someone was nominal, and I don't think it was uh, Peter Craigie, but my pastors taught me to love the scriptures, use my power of concentration to dig in and stay with a thought, and then to expand my scope of the Jesus movement to cover the entire planet. And by the way, it was interesting when I went to find that commentary, I found an inscription that Steve put in the front of uh, Craigie's commentary, and this is what he wrote. I give this to you on your 29th birthday, knowing that you will derive added historical insights into this book that our Lord so freely quoted from, follow the Lord with all your heart. And Steve, I've tried to do that. I am now 50 years old. Next June, my wife and I will have been married 30 years. We've raised six children, four are married, and we have four grandchildren. Over the last 23 years, I've worked in the information technology field and am now a senior IT leader in the Nashville area. I've worked for HCA, Deloitte, and Dollar General. I think it's interesting how many IT people in this town are closet theologians or open musicians. Many open musicians. Three years ago, I became the bivocational pastor of a small church in Cross Plains. My bills and this podcast are paid for by my day job, and my evenings and weekends are dedicated to study and service. No particular glory in the service part, because sometimes I just don't want to. I'm an erudite by nature and would probably be content studying alone in my office, but I'm also an extrovert and need to communicate my thoughts for them to fully form. So um, on that point, this should be another clause in our host-listener agreement, And that is that um, my thoughts are not always fully baked uh, until spoken and discussed. So I reserve the right to change my mind on any subject or passage based on any comments that you guys make. Not that is germane to this podcast, but regarding my education, I have a management and human relations undergraduate degree from Trevecca Nazarene University and an MBA from Pepperdine University. Although my certifications have expired, I was a Microsoft certified systems engineer and a certified Novell engineer. These accomplishments really only show that I can be taught. I hope this initial podcast gives you an idea of who I am and what kind of information I intend to share on this show. Over the next few weeks, I'll release a mix of new and archived content. Please visit my website at rob-massey.com. Leave comments, email me with questions, or make suggestions on how I can improve my communications. Thanks for listening.